When you hear the phrase, soft as steel, what do you think of? While the word steel might conjure up images such as massive high-rise buildings, where does the soft part come in and what exactly does this mean in our work and in our lives? Welcome to the Soft as Steel podcast with your host, Dennis Duran, featuring engaging conversations with a wide range of industry leaders around soft skills, how we practice love, inclusion, social justice, and compassionate leadership that's everlasting in the workplace. And now, here's Dennis Duran. My special guest today is Bob Swanson. I asked Bob to share a few facts about himself for me to use in introducing him, and he did. In very simple and direct fashion, here are the facts about Bob Swanson. Retired in 2015 after working in the construction industry for a mere 45 years. President of Swanson Youngdale Incorporated the last 25 years of his career. Swanson and Youngdale is a national painting and decorating contractor, one of the most highly regarded in the upper Midwest for sure. Suicide loss survivor. Oldest son Michael died by suicide on March 13, 2009 at the age of 33. Four adult children and 10 grandchildren. Those are the facts about my good friend. And let me just say on a personal note, this gentleman you're going to enjoy listening to for the next 30 minutes is one of the finest human beings I've ever had the privilege to come to know. You know, it, it makes me sad uh, even to say the words out loud and to give not, not simply a hint, but uh, as you're listening, you might well be able to know what Bob is going to be talking about during our conversation. And, and in simple terms, he's going to be talking about a continuing crisis in the construction industry that needs to be talked about. So Bob, with a smile back on my face, welcome to the Softest Steel podcast. Thank you, Dennis, and I'm looking forward to this, and it's always good to see you. Thank you. So, Bob, you, you know this, uh, this podcast series is the next chapter in, in, uh, in my, my journey to carry the, the message about people in our industry, uh, about the people side of our business, more specifically about what I refer to and you understand very well, in fact, to, to such a point that you could probably talk about soft skills better than I can, and in particular, uh, in the terms that, that the folks boots on the ground understand, uh, because you lived it, you practiced it, it's who you are. Your qualities are what has made you successful in your career, has made you successful uh, in your life and has made it possible for you to deal with unbearable grief. The first question I want to ask you to kind of just get our conversation underway, and I'll also say that there are going to be a number of episodes in the Softest Steel podcast series that will be dealing with this topic. Uh, you are the first, uh, and in my, in my personal estimation, the most important. I recall vividly how you stood in front of a group uh, in Las Vegas uh, a number of years ago and shared your story about your son and his demise, uh, and the fact that every every eye in the room, notably uh, the the eyes of the leadership of a building trades union, uh, were brought to tears uh, as you talked about your son and what you, what he and you had experienced. Why do we need to keep talking about this, Bob, in the construction industry? In your view, why? Well, it's a hard industry, and. 
We're so focused on getting the job done. It's kind of in our DNA where we neglect our own personal needs in doing that. We neglect talking about how you're doing, uh, making sure everybody's okay. And I live that, I must say, pretty strongly because that's the industry I grew up in, in that uh, we're just focused on we got a job to do, we got a schedule to meet, and don't we don't have time to worry about all that other stuff. And unfortunately, there's lots of downsides to that attitude, and it's it's hard to change, but we, we need to change. Mm-hmm. Uh, turn the clock back quickly just for a minute to when you moved into, let's call it leadership in, in the industry uh, by virtue of your position. Were you the same person then in terms of your view, your feeling, your embracing this notion of the qualities of people uh, and soft skills as you are today? Uh, no, I was not. But part of that was the era we lived in. I became president in 1990. Uh, it would have been a sign of weakness for me as a leader of a company to say, uh, geez, Dennis, how are you doing today? You don't quite look like you're at the top of your game. I mean, that it would have been totally unacceptable. Let's put it that way. Mm-hmm. So part of it is the era that I was in. I'll even go back in the 60s when I started in this business. And then at that point, I was a field painter. Uh, it, it, you just didn't talk at all about uh, your feelings at all. It, 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 manhood, you don't talk about it. And as I grew up as a, in a family that my dad was in the industry, uh, back to that, you know, I, I remember as a young boy, uh, big boys don't cry, uh, bury your feelings. And all that was so embedded in my DNA and most of my fellow workers' DNA. So I was not the person that I am today. Uh, I've learned a lot. Thankfully, I've grown. But uh, when I first became a leader of the company in 1990, it was just go get them, get the job done. And and that I didn't even worry about anything else. Yeah. So back then, what was motivation all about? How, How did you motivate people? back in those days? Well, I think I I motivated uh, being clear about what needed to be done, being clear about how to get there. But I also, I listened to, I think I've always listened to people that that have a job to do and and get their input and get their buy-in. And and then it's a we. I, I never looked at whatever title I had that I was any better than anybody else. I just, I always used to say, I just got a different job, different responsibilities. But if I don't do my job, I impact you negatively. And if you don't do your job, you impact me negatively. So it was always a we. And I just always wanted to get input from people. And a lot of times I didn't even know what the solution was. I, You know, it's like, I think leaders really betray themselves when they think they have all the answers. Uh, the people you're leading most of the time have the answers. And it's just a matter of pulling that out and guiding them along. And to say the least, you're a very humble person. But I'm going to ask you this question anyway. If, if I were to ask someone who worked for you, 30 or 35 years ago, to describe what kind of a person you were in their eyes, what do you think they would say? Well, I would hope they'd say uh, Bob is a very caring person. Uh, he cares He cares about my well-being. Uh, Bob never expects more out of any of us than he expects out of himself. 
Uh, he's fair. And uh, those are some qualities I guess I, w- I would expect or hope that people thought of me. Mm-hmm. So you just used three, uh, three words that are qualities, are soft skills to describe what people would say about you. And this is 30 to 35 years ago. So your, your, your thought is, as you reflect back, on the one hand, uh, and I think very correctly, you described the, the nature of, of the immediate workplace, the job site, uh, and what interacting with people to get them to get the job done was all about. But by the same token, how you did it, uh, even all those years ago. Um, uh, and I think if I, and I, I'd love to, you know, get someone to do a cameo appearance and come on and say, well, let, let me tell you about Bob Swanson 30, 35 years ago. Some of that knew you then. And, and I'm, and I'm certain because I, because I feel like I know you fairly well. Um, I'm certain they would use ex- those very words you used. And in fact, you, you probably recall, you know, one of the things that I put in my book was, you know, a, a question to ask the reader, what, what do you think people would say about you? Um, and I think that, that, that just suggests that, that, you as a member of our generation had an implicit understanding about the fact that, that at a minimum in dealing with people, um, if you want to be, if you want to, if you want to get them to do what you need to do on, and on a, on a consistent basis, you've got to be, you got to demonstrate the, uh, that you care. Um, the other term in construction might be that you give a shit, excuse my French, but that's construction terminology, reasonable, reasonable and fairness, um, you know, that those are akin to, you know, that, 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 that higher plane where you talk about be, being, having integrity, uh, being honest, uh, being trustworthy. Do you think people that work for you when you were in leadership in your company, do you think people that expected if you said it, um, that's what he meant and he would do what he said? I would hope so. And I, I think I tried my best to always uh, adhere to that. I'm like any other human being. There were probably times I didn't adhere to that uh, for various reasons. But if I said something that I was going to do, I meant I meant to do it within all reason. And mm-hmm. sometimes there might have been extenuating circumstances. But if I told somebody, "Hey, I'm going to get you. We're going to get this equipment, or I'm going to make sure we get uh, something done," and I had that same feeling towards our customers. Uh, I felt my word was my bond. And uh, if I told the customer, we as a company, were going to accomplish something, uh, I expected that to happen. And, and I didn't think twice that we couldn't do it. And the, the same hand uh, with employees and uh, suppliers, you know, uh, there were, I had a lot of good relationships. And that's the other thing. You need a lot of partners to make this work. It's not about, it was never about me. It was never about just me and just the company, but we had great partners. Uh, Many, many suppliers that helped the company succeed. Uh, Our labor partner uh, and, and just, a, a lot, and look even at the apprenticeship program, and it's just so many different partners and pieces that make it all come together. Yeah, yeah. So you mentioned relationships, which, as you know, is uh, to me is is the end game. Uh, you know, you, you need to be a good person to work for, or work with, in order to be able to build long lasting relationships. And I think you, by what you're saying, you would agree with that. Um, when you think, so again, thinking back. As, as time progressed from 30 to 35 years ago, let's just capture that chunk of it. As time progressed, how you went about maintaining, building and maintaining relationships with, with a variety of 
partners, whether they were suppliers, subcontractors, uh, you alluded to the union uh, as, as, a, as your labor partner. Did, did how you went about building and maintaining those relationships change as new generations of people came into your equation? Or you've been doing it the same? I think by and large, I did it the same my whole career. Uh, I must say, as people change, that it was challenging, but always exciting. So, as you know, uh, over time, people get promoted, people retire, etc. Now you got a new face. Well, you can't just go on your old laurels. She's I'm Bob Swanson, and I'm so darn good, and nice to meet you, Dennis. Uh, that doesn't get you anywhere. We had to start at square one. So I always found that uh, challenging but exciting. Here, I got a new supplier representative here or a new uh, business rep or a new employee, new general contractor I've never dealt with. And I got to just start at ground zero, build a relationship. And uh, the first, you know, let's face it, it's built on trust. And usually <laughs> the trust was from a general contractor. We got to get something done and I better, I better darn well make it happen. Uh, with a supplier, it was kind of the reverse. You better get my paint on the job site when I want it or we're going to have a problem. But and then it was honesty. You know, nobody likes surprises. So it was like, you know, maybe we couldn't get the right equipment for something. Well, tell the tell the contractor ahead of time. You know, I got a problem. Uh, you know, we've got to get this done, but here's my problem. How can we work it out? Same with a supplier coming to me and saying, I can't get you all the materials. So honesty is really the base of building those relationships. So I found it kind of exciting to have new new people, and we just started square one again. Mm hmm. So if you were to to think about uh, let, let's look at it, let's look at take a look at generations for a minute. If you, if, you know, again, we're both we're both baby boomers. So if if you didn't already know that I, you know, that I embrace this notion of soft skills and people's qualities and why it's so important, why relationships are the key to success, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But you wanted to, to say to your to a fellow member of the baby boomer generation, um, Here's a couple of things that 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 we that we keep doing that are making it more difficult for us to transition and and connect to the generations that are behind us. So so fellow baby boomer, here are a couple of suggestions on things that that we as a generation need to try to understand need to be done differently to be able to have progress in our industry. Well, you know, let's, let's step back that 30, 35 years ago. It was a lot of yelling and screaming. Uh, that, that doesn't work. Intimidation, uh, that doesn't work. So I, I could sense before I retired, and I've been retired now seven years, uh, the newer employees, the younger employees, I, I had to listen that they're motivated by different things. So, and again, as a fellow boomer, uh, things many times were out of balance for, in my life. I, I gave my job my all, and now looking back, uh, that was some things I neglected. One was my personal health. Uh, one was many times my family, and uh, I regret that. But at the time, I didn't know any better. Uh, so I really recognize the newer generation today is kind of saying, and you know, work isn't everything. Uh, I got a life. 
And uh, I've taken kind of a, I listened to that and said, you know, that makes some sense, but let's, we got a job also, <laughs> you know, so how do we balance that? And uh, I, I think I started before I retired, uh, tried to be more flexible, but I must say as a leader of a company, it was always that we got to get a job done. So it's, uh, that's always the tension. Let's put it that way. Yeah. So, you know, in, in short, and you, and you nailed it as I knew you would, I, I, I probably should interject. This is intended to be a conversation. I haven't, I haven't, I didn't dream these questions up like yesterday. They're just, you know, and you know me well enough to know that, uh, that sometimes I do fly by the seat of my pants, but um, you know, what you just said basically is that uh, we as a generation uh, need to recognize that we're different than the younger generation, that uh, what, mo- what motivated us uh, was blunt force uh, when we were coming up, uh, and that just doesn't work anymore because now we call it harassment and job site uh, safety issues. Um, and so we just need to, be, uh, we need to be accepting of that, of that new reality and make sure that we don't miss the opportunity to pass along both from a technical standpoint as well as from, from an, a relationship standpoint all the best things that we can to help them. Is that is that is that a, a, that sum it up for you? It sure does, Dennis. Yeah, yeah. So let's let's talk a, a little bit about now. Move into more into the topic of of uh, what of the facts that you provided me with regard specifically to the loss of your son uh, to mental health and suicide. Um. What well, when you you be, you began you you basically turn turn to a new chapter in your life uh, at his passing. Share with our, our audience about the what, the why, you know, and, and, and what you've done just in a general way from that point forward to deal with this and, and, and in a way that is intended to help folks. Sure. Well, first off, losing a child, and it doesn't matter if it's suicide or a disease, a traffic accident, it it's unbelievably devastating as a parent. I, I can't put it in words because until you experience it, it doesn't make sense. It's like your whole world got blown up. Every premise that I had prior to that, uh, provide and protect your family was it was drubbed into me as a as a young man. Uh, it blew up. I lost a son. It, it, and then suicide deaths even harder because it doesn't make sense. What was going on? How much distress was our son in? Uh, I still pain over that, and I'll never heal from it. So, and thankfully, uh, I have a strong faith. But for a few years after Michael's death, I was very angry at the God I believe in. I had a lot of guilt. Uh, those questions of why me, why us? We were, geez, we were trying to lead a good life. Why did this happen? Why didn't I go instead of my son? All those questions. And it was a long journey of a few years through prayer. I, I just said, what am I supposed to do with this? And, and through prayer and through other people, uh, it was like, you need, you need to talk about this. And it's like, I don't want to sound like I'm so darn good, but it was almost like I was chosen. This is my 
my new calling. The other piece, when you lose a child, a lot of things that motivated me and made sense before don't even make no sense anymore. A, a good example, I was an avid sports fan of all of our professional teams. Today, I could care less. It doesn't mean anything. Uh, another thing, I loved to drive. I had a Corvette, enjoyed it immensely. After Michael's death, it sat in the garage for four years. Finally, I sold it. It, it didn't mean anything anymore. So my, my things that count now is so much people, even more than before. Uh, so as far as what, I, what I've been doing the last seven years, I got involved with a group called Construction Alliance. Uh, and again, all this, uh, I don't want to sound like I'm uh, being too religious, but I know my God is guiding this. I have done no marketing. People just come out of the blue. Uh, I've spoken to construction companies all around the United States, labor unions, and today I've got a, a presentation to, uh, in addition to this, to NAMI, Minnesota. We, we have total misunderstanding of what people living with mental illness and substance use is all about. We blame them. I blame myself as Michael was on his journey. I mean, we lived this journey for over a decade before his death. Actually, uh, I would say two decades. We didn't know it. And I blame myself. Well, that's crazy. He blamed himself. He said, Dad, why can't I get this figured out? Mm. Well, it'd be like someone with cancer saying, why can't I get this figured out? Uh, nobody wants these diseases. They're, they're illnesses, but they're all treatable. But we have so much shame around it. Our family lived with shame. Uh, through this whole journey, and it took me going through a support group just to say the words, uh, our oldest son died by suicide. I mean, today those words can come out much easier, but the first few times it was like, I couldn't say them. They couldn't come out. It's because there was so much shame around that. So uh, I want to give people the hope that we can put emphasis on still getting the job done, but let's take care of our people. Let's take care of our friends, our neighbors, and we'll all be better off. And, and it's just sometimes that reaching out and saying, how are you doing? You don't look like you're okay. Can we talk about it? And once we provide that safe space, it allows people to talk about it. It's huge, but they're just little easy steps. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Bobby, you and I both are, are old enough that we remember uh, what the outlook of the industry was, and I'm referring specifically to our construction industry, with regards to personal safety. Um, you know, it was, it's, it's, it's a word, and it's, it's a word that's been around for decades, but decades ago, safety was just, do you want it, do you want it fast or do you want it safe? And, and that's, you know, and again, if, if you disagree with that characterization from decades back, then I'd, I'd love to hear your thoughts. But that, that's kind of the view that I that I saw was uh, it, it's, uh, you know, it's, you know, quali quality, safety. Are they are they are, does, does the best quality cost more if you have to be safe to produce it? You know, all those kinds of things. Do you remember those kinds of conversations decades ago? Oh, decades ago. Here was the common statement. 
this is a dangerous job. Be careful. <laughs> what the, what the right. heck does that mean? We had no right. tools, no PPE, poor training. It was just be careful and get the job done, and I want it done by tonight. Yeah. yeah. Well, that, of course, everybody cut corners. <laughs> and But we did. I, I look back. I was in the painting industry. When I first got in the industry, we didn't even wear respirators because we didn't know any better. Right. And you'd spray until you got sick. Yeah. And then you'd go out and relieve that out of your system and then come back and spray. And it was looked on like, what are you, some kind of a, a wuss if you, you got to use a respirator? And, yeah. geez, guys working on swing stages with no tie back. It, it yeah. was crazy. And, of course, people got killed and injured. And it was just like, well, you know, they weren't careful. <laughs> you know? <laughs> So, Bob you, Bob, you need to calm down. You're getting a little, you're getting a little wound up. Okay. <laughs> well, All the good. So, can, do, do, can you? Is there an analogy here to to the, to you know personal safety and and uh, mental health addiction, et cetera? Is there an analogy in terms of where our industry it may be and and where they're going and whether we're getting there fast enough and with proper steps? What do you think? Well, first off, we're not getting there fast enough. I think the analogy would be at some point, everybody in the industry said, we have a safety problem and we have to fix it. I think we're very close to saying as an industry, we have a, we have a personal safety problem in addressing mental health, substance use disorder, et cetera. So I would put in that regard, we're very close to that apex where we're going to start doing something about it. Mm -hmm. And I, I, I hear a lot of, uh, when I speak, a lot of contractors really do want to address the issue, just don't know how to get there. And mm -hmm. I think we were the same way at one point with safety. Okay, I know we need to address safety. I know we need to do a better job. And I can relate even back, this would be about in the 1980s, but how do we do this? Mm -hmm. And that's good that we're at that same point and ready to do something about it, Dennis. Yeah, yeah, I, I would agree. I would agree. Uh, you're, you're, you're a good friend and, and someone that I've gotten to know a little bit. Cal Byers is, is, uh, does great work in this, in this regard. Uh, and he'll, he'll be a guest on my podcast as well. But, uh, but I wanted to start. I, I, I didn't want to. I needed to start with you uh, because not only have you, have, you lived uh, a life of, of, of service, uh, really your entire career. And you went from, from serving the people that work for you for decades, uh, and now you're, you're serving people that can be helped by what you say. And, and you do it, and you do it with the words you use to describe yourself. The first word you use when I said, well, how people describe you, you use the word caring. And, and, and that, that really is why uh, your, your, your credibility as someone talking about these important issues and challenges and this crisis that we're still in the midst of uh, is based on the fact that I, when, when you speak, you speak with a tone of caring from your very first words. And I'm not trying to be too nice to you, because, but it's easy because you know, I, I, I respect you, I adore you, uh, and, and the service that you are performing uh, is, is, is changing lives. There's no, there's, there's no better way to say it. Uh, and again, your humility won't allow you to agree with that, but I'll say it anyway, because I really believe that's the truth. Um, and, 
and that's why the analogy to safety and 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 you did you, you responded exactly the way I, that I would have expected. Uh, you know, be careful. Okay, now it's be caring, be careful, be caring. Um, so there's a dichotomy that that maybe needs to be played out uh, because again, the, the subject of mental health, addiction, suicide, just just that whole crisis. Um, really is un- under the umbrella of dealing with the fact that we're, people are different. Uh, we may not always recognize what those differences are, particularly if it's, as an example, an addiction or a mental health issue. Um, but we still have to recognize differences, and everybody needs to be in. And that's, and that's under the banner of what I refer to and talk about quite a bit, and that is inclusion. And then carrying it on to this notion that it's a matter also of social justice, you know, treating, again, one of your other words was fair, treating people fairly. Uh, and that means if someone, you know, demonstrates that they have potentially have a problem, which needs to be properly understood, properly diagnosed, properly treated, um, that, that fairness needs to prevail. And we need to do what we can in order to help them as an industry uh, and to do it one person at a time. So, again, your message is magnified across the industry. And I think that, that the difference you are making will, will only help us get to where we need to be. Um, what else do you want to say about where you are in your journey as we come to the close of our time together? Well, number one, you've been awful generous in your comments, Dennis. Uh, it's, you know, I am, I always have been humble and I, I appreciate your comments and I thank you for that. As far as where I am in the journey, uh, I, I think we've, we continue to make progress. Uh, I get frustrated that we're not moving faster as an industry. And, and the other piece I've been trying to uh, convey to contractors, we're an industry that every day counts and our employees need to be in their A game. And I, I compare it to what's going on now in the NFL. I mean, people play hurt, right? They come off the sidelines, they go in the med tent, and next thing they're out on the field. Well, our industry is no different. People play hurt. They just don't want to admit they have an issue because they might not be on the starting lineup. And we have to recognize that that's holding people back. So, if But if people aren't in their A game, this is why we have production issues. This is why we have uh, redo work. I mean, if now again, I looked at things differently. Why, why did we have redo work? And we typically want to blame the person. Uh, well, let's, let's look at what was going on. Maybe they weren't on their A game. And I think we've gotten smarter with safety. When accidents happen, we used to blame the person. They weren't being careful. Well, now today they're going, geez, maybe they didn't have the right training. Maybe we didn't uh, do all we could to help them be successful. So mm-hmm. I think they go together. And I, I think as long as I can keep uh, giving people some pointers, but also convincing contractors. At one point, people said, well, safety costs money. And then we learned it doesn't. Well, addressing people's needs and mental health substance, it, it, it's going to cost money. No, it's not. It's going to save money. But more and, more than that, what's the cost of, of losing our people and, and both uh, losing them as your employees, but maybe losing them as far as an effective person? Uh, there's huge costs. So yeah. I, I, we just got to look at things a little different 
and uh, we'll all we'll be a better industry. We've been hard on that. The last piece is recruitment. We have a really tough recruitment. Well, geez, let's let's say uh, big screen. Uh, it's a great industry. It's uh, it's pretty safe. But we don't take care of our people, and uh, it's hard, and you're going to work long hours, and uh, uh, we would like you to join the team. Mm-hmm. What? Versus <laughs> we're, a, we're a caring industry. We want you to succeed, and uh, please, sign, please sign up on our website. Yeah. We, we got a, it's a recruitment issue, but it's our own fault, and we can fix that. So I, I'm excited about the future of the industry. I, 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 I love the industry, and I left the industry, Dennis, I think you know, not because I didn't love it, but I need to do what I'm doing right now. So Yeah, the, uh, and, yeah and, and our industry uh, is better for it. Uh, Bob, this, this, uh, this time went by too, too quickly. Um, it sure did. But um, you, you, again, you know how I feel about you. I'm so grateful that you agreed to be part of this conversation. Uh, we we just spent time talking about you know the most important issue facing our industry, uh, in my view. Uh, and uh, and you are you are caring, you are reasonable, you are articulate, and uh, and I'm sure that as people have an opportunity to listen to our conversation. You'll inspire more people to understand that we have to do things differently. Um, there is there is a positive future, but it, but it's not going to be positive if we don't embrace our people. I agree, and and Dennis, thank you for letting me be part of this, and uh, kudos to you for stressing soft skills because uh, we've been a hard industry that we we don't need to be that way. Bob, thank you very much. It's so good to have you on my podcast. Thank you. Thanks for joining us today for this episode of the Softest Steel podcast with your host, Dennis Duran. Dennis is the author of Softest Steel and a leading speaker and trainer for organizations across many industries and verticals. To learn more about the work Dennis is doing to activate soft skills in the workplace, contact him at DennisDuranSpeaking.com. Be sure to check out his book, Soft as Steel, on Amazon or wherever books are sold. You can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes or wherever you'd like to get your podcasts. And please remember to share this episode with your friends, colleagues, and anyone you feel would benefit from the conversation. We'll see you next time on the Softest Steel Podcast with Dennis Duran. Produced by Audavita Studios. Connect your voice to the world.